It's a complex world out there. It seems to take forever. There is disappointment, which is natural. Resilience is about hope. Most of our ideas come from just listening. Ask a courageous question. It feels good to be able to do something positive for people. You are a force multiplier. Watching Trees Grow, a podcast by Troutwood. I'm Gene Natale, co-founder and CEO of Troutwood. Today's episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about emergency preparedness. Uh, and probably not within the context of, of, the, of the current events, we're going to talk about steps you can take before the emergency occurs. And just the impetus for this episode came uh, from Monday evening. Jeff Davidek, uh, Troutwood's co-founder, chief strategist, teaches personal finance at Grove City College. He invited me up for the evening to attend the class, and we did an emergency preparedness workshop with these students, and I thought it would be beneficial to share some observations from that class with the Troutwood community. I also want to just share a personal perspective on emergency preparedness and a way that I think of it a little bit differently than just in finance terms. Uh, Many years ago, I volunteered as a firefighter for 10 years. And in emergency services, we did a great deal of training. We practiced, we prepared for the emergency before the sirens went off. That equipped us both with the tools, but also the mindset of how to respond for a wide range of scenarios. So I want to just pause and let you digest that same type of concept and apply it financially. How can you practice and prepare for a wide range of potential emergency scenarios? I think the, the two most common that I hear are job loss and then a health-related emergency. How can you personally model and prepare? Most of us, when we think emergency preparedness, think I got to have three, six months checking, check the box, I'm good. Emergency preparedness is far more holistic than just having three months of expenses uh, socked away in your checking account. So we're going to break it for purposes of this, excuse me, we're going to break it for purposes of this conversation into two categories, financial capital and human capital. So the financial capital will include things like that checking account. The human capital is going to include actual steps that you can take, that we can take as individuals uh, to prevent job loss and maybe even, you know, tiptoe into that, you know, prefer to prevent the health emergencies. The Troutwood team is active behind the scenes. They're going to hold me accountable in the chat boxes here. Going to be throwing out questions. They're going to be fact checking anything we say. And speaking specifically to, to the student audience, how do I even know where to start? How much do I, how much do I need for an emergency plan? Box one was financial capital. Break this into nine categories that answer that question. And we're going to assume that a student graduating into the working world has low savings. So we're going to take a, an offensive approach to these are steps we're going to take to begin to grow these various pieces. And step one is the three-month checking, with step two being the six-month checking. Uh, so those are absolutely critical steps. They're important parts of an emergency preparedness, and that first layer of protection. 
And I want to share a fun fact because when we were in the Grove City classroom with the chalkboard behind Jeff and I, we asked the students and said, let's build collectively an emergency preparedness plan. There was a very long pause after these two were written on the chalkboard. A very long pause because so much of what we read says, this is it, fist bump. I've got my six months uh, in my, my checking account. I'm ready for an emergency. Well, I, you know, drawing back to the firefighter days, we didn't stop training. We considered different scenarios. We prepared for different emergencies. Uh, we practiced and honed our skills for the more common types of calls. Uh, so when the students were pushed and challenged, we started to expand that list. <clears throat> Seven more financial capital tools. The first 401k. And the reason that's number three on the list is it is just imperative that young people get the company match. So one of the first things you do first day on the job, opt into your 401k, understand the max company match, boom. In an emergency, that's capital that's available. For purposes of this episode of the podcast, we are not going to get into tax penalty, stuff like that. We are, th we are defining an emergency as nothing is more important than having access to this money, to this capital to you know, take care of the emergency on hand. Number four, Roth IRA. I was really pleased and proud to see that the students immediately went to the two most common types of retirement savings, which every young person should be uh, saving for from the minute you have the money to do so. Number five on our list, asset allocation. This one was interesting because For a large scale kind of macro emergency preparedness, i.e. something that brings the stock market down, this is within the context of maybe I own something or I'm invested in an asset class that's not tied to or correlated. That means, means moves in the same direction as a stock market. So I appreciated asset allocation. Number six, having a source of W2 income. And the specific example the student gave was DoorDash. Uh, and I, I brought this up actually with, with a friend, uh, this concept of W-2 income. And I want to take a quote that my, my friend uh, shared with me. He said, W-2 income is far more in my control than other sources. And by W-2 income, that could be having a rental property. That could be shoveling snow uh, through the winter months, mowing lawns through the summer months. There's a lot of ways to accumulate W-2 income. Uh I like that. Number seven was reducing and prioritizing debt. Having a heavy debt burden compounds an emergency because debt is a legal obligation. So actively working to pay off your debt, particularly the painful high interest rate debt. Number eight, expense snowball. Now, if this is the first time you're hearing that term, uh, the conversation, the context around that statement is rank your expenses in terms of priority. In a true emergency where you have limited cash to pay bills, what are the what are the mandatory bills? You know, what are the expenses that you have to pay? Uh, I appreciated that part of the conversation. I personally had not heard that context before, and I was able to watch the pulse of the classroom 
when that student suggested that. And it was very interesting to see. It, it was a kind of a common sense idea. And then feeding off of that, the, the last in our bucket of financial capital, investment snowball. And I'm going to define that similarly. Where is my money going to come from? And to summarize this, this financial capital piece, all we're doing with this conversation is saying, have a plan before the emergency. Where's my, my money going to come from in an emergency? Am I going to go three months? I'm going to go checking account first, savings account second, Roth IRA third. You know, that answer could be different for all of us. What's important is that you write it down, put it as part of your emergency preparedness plan. Immediately beside that, you know, where's the money going to go? What are my essentials? What, what, what are the, the bills I legally have to pay? What are the things I can't live without an emergency? And start to get a, a feel for what that scale looks like. Sliding to bucket two, human capital. So human capital is the investments that we make in who we are as individuals. It can be health related. It can be education related. It can be financially related. Uh, investments to create better versions of ourselves. Three pieces that we're going to specifically discuss on human capital. And the headline statement we're going to make around why human capital matters as a core part of an emergency preparedness plan is the more that you invest in yourself, the more you become difficult to for a company to fire in tough times. Make yourself indispensable to the organization. And I know that's a, it's a, it's a hard way to frame it, but all else equal during recessionary time periods, during difficult economic time periods where there's less money around, where businesses are, are going under in some cases, where they have less capital to spend, they're laying off uh, members of the company, which no company likes to do, position yourself through your human capital initiatives to be core to that business's bottom line. The three ways we're going to consider that, the first, professional certifications. Uh, I'll stay on the, the firefighter analogy. You could get an EMT, an emergency medical technician certification. Uh, and then back back when you know the, the, I was living those days, a paramedic was the next level up. You could pursue those types of certifications to make yourself more indispensable. Uh, in the finance world that I live and operate in, to certifications like the CFP or the CFA are just incredibly powerful certifications to add behind your name um, and all else equal, there are steps you can take to better yourself. So number one under human capital, professional certifications. Number two, on-the-job training. At Troutwood, we use Coursera. Uh, other companies use, use different tools. Participate in on-the-job training. Grow your skill set, again, so that you become indispensable to the day-to-day -day operations of the company for whom you're working. Then number three, higher education. Uh, education is an equalizer. Uh, by higher education, yes, I am speaking specifically to things like master's degree, but I also intentionally put this third on the list because it, it comes with the highest cost, and ROI is very difficult to measure for master's degree, ROI being return on the investment, return on the money you spend for that master's degree. So our three, uh, to summarize, our three for human capital, professional certification, on-the-job training, higher education. 
So what, th- this is a, a conversation that's important. It's uh, an incredibly important part of a budget. Statistics on emergency preparedness, one from bankrate.com, is that more than half of Americans, over 50%, have less than three months worth of expenses in an emergency fund. And we just raised the stakes. We said that's not even enough. So we thought a little bit creatively in terms of building this list. We listened to our student audience and then challenged you to also grow your human capital, which is a part of the conversation that's often left out of emergency preparedness. In closing, prepare and practice before the emergency. Personalize and build an emergency preparedness plan that helps you sleep at night. Thank you for tuning in to Watching Trees Grow, a podcast by Troutwood.